If you're looking for a podcast to help you plan your next trip to Disney's theme parks. What? No. This is, no, this really isn't that. I couldn't even plan my own trip to a Disney theme park recently. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. Welcome to Comedy Tragedy Marriage, a podcast where a longtime married couple takes turns each episode selecting something to watch, either a movie, a TV show, a documentary, whatever, and then we discuss it. Uh, I am Stan the Movie Man, and when there are movies to review, I review them at StanTheMovieMan.com. Also, again, when there are movies, I do that monthly for WIMZ.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Movie Man Stan, and you can follow the podcast at CT Marriage. Uh, you can also send us an email if you like. Let us uh, know your suggestions for something we should watch um, and why you think we should watch it. You can send that to Comedy Tragedy Marriage at gmail.com. We make it so easy for you to contact us that there is even a link in the description of this episode where you can leave us a voice message. Just click the link and start talking. I don't know if there's a time limit. I haven't tried it out myself yet. We can find out. We can find out. Somebody test it for us. Why don't you do that? Yes. Just click the link there uh, in the description of this and every episode of Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. Joining me, as always is the light of my life Aww. the 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 stars in my night sky <laughs> wow the full moon <laughs> that guides me home my better half um yeah kind of don't know how to even respond to that um but this week i am sort of mod the blue broad oh mod the blue broad all right well it was your turn to select something for us to watch so why don't you tell everybody what we watched It was my turn, and my choice has been sort of on my list of things for a while. Um, This week, I chose the documentary Janice, Little Girl Blue. Um, I'm reading from their Wikipedia description. Janice, Little Girl Blue is a 2015 American documentary film directed by Amy J. Berg about the American singer-songwriter Janice Joplin. It was shown in the TIFF doc section of the 2015 Toronto International Film Festival. Um, Basically, it's documentary um, chronicling um, the life, loves, music of um, tragically dead too soon rocker Janis Joplin, born in Port Arthur, Texas, born sort of in the wrong time, wrong place, wrong body, possibly. She, um, she, she was a, a force of nature that never kind of fit into her world there. And um, there's a lot of interview footage with former bandmates, um, family members, and um, a lot of concert footage. Yes, it, lots, of, lots of music in this one. Lots of music. Um, this woman has always intrigued and fascinated me. I mean, there's the mystique surrounding the legend of this, this tragic icon who died at age 27 alone in a motel room. And, um, one of, one of any number of really pivotal musicians in that brief space of time, 
who died that way. Jimi Hendrix being one, um, Keith Moon. Um, there were a lot of really influential and with limitless seeming future potential um, musicians who succumbed to sex, drugs, rock and roll. Yes, especially the drugs part yeah. of that. Um, she is one of a member of a club you don't want to belong to, and that's the 27 Club. Yeah, a lot of them died at that age. Yes, I looked up, uh, you can find the list, including people you've never heard of, but, you know. Hendrix so is be one. It. Um, on Wikipedia, I will go over that a little bit later, but uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a really really well done documentary with just filled with archival footage of that time on the road. I'm glad uh, people were thinking. Of course, they never thought it'd be part of a documentary, but they documented uh, a lot of this stuff on the road, whether it be at Woodstock. Monterey Pop. Monterey Pop or, you know, just a club in in some back alley in San Francisco. Uh, there's this, play, this documentary is packed with performance footage of her. Yes, yeah, some, some, really, some really historic footage. And some of it has the original audio recorded with it. So mm -hmm. um, that's something, especially from stuff in the 60s, uh, you don't always get. You might. You may get some Super 8 film with no sound on it. Yeah. But fortunately, a lot of um, what we have here has the original sound and with it. And it's long clips too. <clears throat> oh yeah. It, there's it's a. It's not just a snippet here and a snippet there. This is, <laughs> this is footage rich mm -hmm. documentary. Yeah. And it's uh, and they got they talked with. You know, like you said, a bunch of people that were in her band. Bands. Um, bands, yes, three. Um, as well as some of her contemporaries from the time. Uh -huh. um, and, and Dick Cavett, uh, who apparently they had some kind of relationship. I don't, okay, here's the thing. I have, for years, there, there are a couple, there's a handful of clips of her appearances on Cabot's talk show mm -hmm. that 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 he had in the the sixties, and there's the the chemistry between them is palpable. You can see it, you can feel it. Just when they're bantering back and forth with one another, I can almost smell it. It's visceral for me um, to see this kind of sparks flying between people. And there are a couple of, of um, pieces of modern-day Dick Cavett mm -hmm. speaking about those interviews that they had. And, mm -hmm. and at one point he says, I'm going to level with you. We may or may not have gotten intimate. And you immediately said, well, that's not leveling yeah, at no, all. No, that's not leveling. No, that's hedging as, as best as anybody can do it. He that, blames it on his his failing memory. Oh, wah, wah, wah. And you can hear the interviewer say, or your very good memory. Yeah, and, uh, and he laughs. Um, Cavett's monotone voice has not changed. I have to say, he's held up pretty well. I mean, you can tell that he's an old dude now, mm -hmm, but yeah. his, his hair, whether it's real or purchased, still looks okay. He still has a spark in his eyes, mm -hmm. and that, that monotone voice is still 
singular to him, very yes. recognizable. Um, this was I'm something. This is something that I'm very glad that um, that we finally got around to sitting down together and watching. Mm-hmm. Um, it, as I said, it's been on my in my queue on my wish list for a while now. Um, as a chick singer, totally not the kind of chick singer that Janis Joplin or her her rock and contemporaries were. Right. But as as a chick singer, these figures fascinate me. Um, and she, I was struck by how articulate she could be. Something that struck me when they were in the studio showing them recording an album, um, she was really smart about music. Musically literate, yes. She may not have had the training, quote unquote, but... But she had the learning. She yes, she knew what she wanted. She knew how to express what she wanted mm-hmm. to her bandmates. They got it too. They, you know, a couple of them said we weren't trained musicians. We're self-taught. Mm-hmm. Primitive, um, I think they said. Yeah, and uh, and but somehow, especially in that first band, they were able to to speak each other's language and figure it out, and. You know, there were some, they showed some reviews after um, she got, uh, she and the band uh, got famous. Big uh, Brother and Holding Company? Yes. uh, That um, they were holding her back. They were competent, I believe is a word that was used about Big Brother and the Holding Company. Yeah, I and think that, they were more than competent, but she was just a supernova. Right, and that she needed to leave because they were holding her back. And then later when she did leave for the Cosmic... That was number three. Um, let's look and find out who band number two was. Janis Joplin's band. Shall we do a... Well, we shouldn't be doing this now. Webby but... search. You know... <laughs> I've got her her page open here. Janis Joplin bands, um, Cosmic Blues, yeah, Cosmic Blues was number two apparently, okay. and Full Tilt Boogie Band was number three. Okay. My apologies, my bad, I was so wrong. No, you have it recorded I, here for posterity. I, no, I I wasn't. I I. am just saying. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. <laughs> Anyway, she starts, she's in band number two now. She's in band number two, and then the press starts saying she needs to go back to band number one. Nobody's ever happy. No, they're not, and I think it took a toll on her. I think starting from when she was a child growing up. I was, was going to say Texas. this this nobody's ever happy thing. Mm-hmm. I think is a recurring, very tightly woven theme throughout her life. Mm-hmm. She seems, in that regard, a very tragic figure because she wanted to be loved more than anything. She wanted to be accepted and embraced and loved. And while music provided a sort of that Mm -hmm. for her, she was surrounded by hangers-on and, I think, probably enablers and yes people. And like a lot of famous people are right they you know somebody wants to you know just be in their orbit um not necessarily for the person they are or for the relationship that could be had there but just for 
um, if I'm in the presence of a star, a little bit of their glitter falls on me too. Mm -hmm. The reflected glory. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the documentary, the people in the documentary. Is it, was that her sister that did the majority of, of the talking um, in the documentary? Yes, her sister and her brother were both interviewed. Right. There was also something that I thought was really cool, and I didn't catch in the credits who the voiceover was, but there were... For her letters? Yes. It's Cat Power. Okay, cool. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, there's a lot of her letters that are included in here, and we see some of the handwriting, mm -hmm. um, and we have voiceover from, as you say, Cat Power, um, reading us Janice's intimate thoughts to her family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she wrote a lot of letters home. Um, I, I think she probably is like most of us. We always want our parents' approval. And, oh, God, yes. And we always want them to um, support us, even after we've been out of the house for decades um, or 10 years, as she was. Yeah. Um, you know, we just, we just want them. You could sort of hear the pleading in her letters mm -hmm. about how I'm going to be a big star, and I know I was always trouble, or I didn't fit in. She says that a couple of times mm -hmm. in a couple of the letters, that she, uh, I'm sorry I disappointed you, or something yeah. along that line. It was a recurring theme. And it was it was just kind of heartbreaking that she, she never felt good enough, and the boys at school would make fun of her, and pick on her because she wasn't beautiful you know classically beautiful yeah um very few of us are and um she you know wanted to you know just not be where she was yeah she just constantly looking for where she fit in yeah and, and she, i think the only place she found it was on stage true. ultimately uh and that is that is said in the documentary she uh Spent some time in Austin, Texas, um, where she kind of got introduced to blues music, uh, blues and bluegrass. The live scene there. Yeah, uh, which is still a big thing. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, as and, much as it can be during the days of this damnable virus. Yes. Um, and then there's um, also uh, her time, her first go-around in San Francisco, which did not end well. Uh, as she became addicted to something. Uh, methadrine. Methadrine, okay. Speed. Um, so, yeah, she she had her trials, her tribulations, and her, um, uh, her demons um, that unfortunately shortened what was a, a supernova of a career. She's one of those people who you have to, well, I have to wonder what if, mm -hmm. or if only. And some of those are the saddest words in the human language. What if, if only, mm -hmm. we'll never know. Um, and we we won't ever know. But people people like her and your Hendrixes and your Keith Moons and your Patsy Cline's even, who didn't die of drugs, she died in a tragic plane wreck, but mm -hmm. still tragically and way too soon. Mm -hmm. And we can count, you know, handfuls of people um, whose, whose star was put out prematurely. Um, Janis Joplin from from all the footage we see here and every other piece of footage I have ever seen she would 
step onto that stage and leave everything there. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. She and probably lost 20 pounds every night she worked. She just was without fear on that stage. Mm -hmm. And she would speak, and she would scream, and she would rail, and leave all of herself there. And I, you know, that makes me feel like I, you know, I kind of understand why the drug problems happened. Yeah. Well, I, I, like she, as she says in the, uh, or as somebody says in the documentary, she, you know, the guys would take home a girl after a show. She went home and alone. And she went home alone. Um, and I'm sure there would have been guys who would have been more than happy to go home with her. But that she apparently just wasn't wired that way um, as far as, you know, casual sex goes. She, it seems like the people with whom she was intimate, she had deeper relationships with. Real attachments to, yes. Yes, and uh, one night stands just weren't going to cut it. I think that's what she craved, too. That, mm -hmm. Again, that sense of approval, that sense of belonging, of fitting in, of being part of something larger than yourself yeah which yeah. the bands gave her to a point to a point um some of the footage surrounding her 10-year high school reunion was actually really painful for me to oh, watch yeah. because yeah. she's being interviewed and it's like all these people who didn't give her the time of day mm -hmm. when she was in school with them they're all you know buzzing about now and all fascinated with her and oh you're so cool and she just really it was painful well to and, watch and she's being interviewed and she clearly does not want to answer any of these questions no i mean she doesn't answer most of them but you know uh, and i'm sure it was just a local reporter trying to do some human interest yeah because the big star comes home to this little town. Hometown girl, made it big, now she's back for her reunion. But you see her and she's she's wearing, she's got that boa, and I think there were some feathers in her hair. Yeah, she's, she's very much wearing the Pearl look from yeah. the Pearl album. And she, there are people, everybody you see around her, all the women look like, you know, they're, they're just coming from their debutante ball. Yeah. Um, wearing, you know, the evening wear of the time. Your Port Arthur housewives. And she she just does not look comfortable, even when she's you know looks like she's having fun, but still there's it, there's she just I I don't know why she did it. If she went there to rub their faces in it, she chickened out, I guess, uh, because. Well, we didn't. We don't see the yeah, whole thing. All we see is is the footage. We don't see the rest of the party. And if there was one, or if there was, I mean, God only knows what could have happened over the course of an event like that. Because yeah. reunions are usually fraught with peril in, when they're not famous people there. But I think we would have heard about it. One would think. You know, there would be stories somewhere along the line. It was just so cringy, and she was so measured and in some cases terse in mm -hmm. her in her responses to the yeah. questions she i i think there were some questions she just didn't like and some questions she just didn't feel like answering yeah um so yeah there there are uh and like she was on heroin when she uh got up on stage at woodstock mm -hmm. and she starts talking to the audience about 
you know, are you getting enough water? Do you have a place to stay? She yeah. becomes like all of their mothers all of a sudden. Yeah. I think that was always part of her, that nurturing earth mother kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that she never really found a place to um, to expend that motherly energy. Yeah. It's... It's thrilling to watch her perform because even messed up on heroin uh, at that particular time, once she starts singing, that goes away. Uh, it's, it's almost like uh, her energy for the performance consumes the heroin and sort of sucks it out of her system at least for a little while while she's singing. Yeah. And then, you know, what happens afterwards, we don't know. No. But, uh, yeah, and the the casual references to, yeah, we'd go up to the hotel room and we'd shoot heroin. It's like, hmm, um, <laughs> maybe you don't be so casual about that. Well, it was part of that yes. culture in it, that period of time, and now we know a lot more about the dangers of not only heroin, but acid and a lot of the other stuff that was just bounced around very recreationally during that time. Um, and a lot of people did a lot of that stuff and got away with it. A lot of, a lot of them did. A lot of the people that we saw interviewed here played around with stuff like that and, yeah. and lived to tell the tale. Um, what was that? Songs in the Valley or uh, the Echoes from the Canyon. Echoes from the Canyon. <laughs> I had a general estimate of the geographic thing. Another 60s documentary yeah. about a lot of the artists who came out of the the California scene at that time. Yeah, pretty much everybody in that documentary was uh, Messed using, up on something. using various and sundry types of things. And... Uh, I watched a documentary on uh, Curiosity Stream uh, about the creation of various painkillers, heroin being one of them, mm -hmm. um, and it was designed. I mean, it was designed as hopefully something that for therapeutic use. Exactly, and and then when they saw people who used it and what it did to them, it was like, uh oh. We have let the genie out of the bottle. Exactly. Well, the same with cocaine. Well, yeah, right. I mean, and there is therapeutic cocaine. Yeah. Uh, med uh, uh, doctors. Medicinally, yeah. yes. There's, uh, we had a radio guy in town here who had really sudden and heavy nosebleeds. Yeah. Uh, and um, he was at our uh, local college, uh, University of Tennessee football game when he got one of these nosebleeds and the paramedics had to stuff his nose with medicinal cocaine. That's not what I got when it happened to me. No, you didn't. You got a big stick stuck up your I got nose. a big stuck stick stuck, stuck up my nose. I do not recommend that, but it <laughs> kept me from bleeding to death, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. But yes, there are, there are legitimate therapeutic medicinal clinical uses for some of these things. Yes. Um, Interesting little factoid, by the way, about the heroin being, you know, medicine to begin with. Created, if I remember correctly, by a German company named Bayer. The Aspirin Kings. Yes. They invented Delightful. aspirin later. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, a, a painful thing to watch at times. 
But I, I have to say, you know, you know what's coming down yeah, the road. There's no spoilers with Janis Joplin. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of also joy and energy and um, freedom, if you will, for the music and her love of performing and yeah. her her boundless energy on stage. Oh my gosh, yes. Even messed up on heroin, she was a whirling dervish yeah. um, on stage uh, when, you know, when she's into a song and you, you know, she's trying to give everything to the audience, leave it all on the stage. And uh, it's, it's quite a thing to see. Yeah. Unfiltered. Utterly unfiltered. That's not to say unrehearsed because mm-hmm. they did rehearse oh, and yeah. they, um, they're, band was both tight and loose Mm -hmm. um and if if you've ever performed on stage you kind of get that right how you can be tight and loose at the same time but she she was just supernova describes it as well as anything i can think of she was just otherworldly and a force yes uh it's it's a very good documentary you can watch it if you subscribe to hulu you can see it on there and i think it may also be on Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you may be actually able to stream it on your phone. Well, yeah, if, yeah. If you have a Hulu app or, or the Amazon Prime video, uh, yeah, you could stream it on your phone. Pretty much everything you can stream on your phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, the Janice Joplin doc- documentary, Janice Little Girl Blue right after this. Welcome back to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. We are discussing the documentary Janice, Little Girl Blue. It's available on Hulu uh, and Amazon Prime. And um, it is, of course, about the life and tragic death of Janice Joplin. Now, earlier we talked about the 27 Club, Mm -hmm. which is... Some people ascribe it to the universe taking people out of it um, who were just too good to be here. Like, like There's some airy fairy stuff. Cosmic going on. retrograde yeah. numerology kind of a situation. Well, I don't know about that so much, but there's there is a thought that there's some sort of uh, cosmic thing. energy that is taking out the most talented people. Um, There's actually a study, some mathematics were applied to this that debunked that particular Mm. theory. But it is a big club of people. Now, many of these folks on this list, which you can see on Wikipedia, I've never heard of. But some of them, like Janis Joplin, uh, Brian Jones, who was a founder of, one of the founders of the Rolling Stones, He died in a, uh, he drowned in a swimming pool. Oh, geez. Um, about uh, a little over a year before Janice died. Um, Was he messed up at the time, or did they, we know? It doesn't say here. It says, however, the coroner's report states death by misadventure. Oh. Don't know what that means exactly. Huh. Uh, we have Jimi Hendrix yeah. died of asphyxiation uh, less than, well, like, three weeks before Janice died. He was also 27. He was. All these people are 27. Janice, of course, 
Uh, we just passed her 50th anniversary of her passing, Ugh. October 4th, 1970. Uh, Jim Morrison, he died in 71 of heart failure, uh, likely caused by, drug, you know, drug well, uh, alcohol, drug abuse, and apparently he kind of puffed up there at the end. Uh, we also have somebody that we've talked about on this podcast, um, Amy, uh, Amy Winehouse. Winehouse. Uh, She also died at 27 of alcohol poisoning. Yeah. And Kurt Cobain, maybe the, one of the better known, more recent members of the 27 Club, he, uh, died by suicide. Um... And everybody on here was 27 years and some days old. Wow. So it's uh, it's not a club you want to be a part of. I'm about to say something totally tasteless. Uh, but if you are, then chances are uh, everybody will know who you are. Well, yeah. Uh, or at least people within your field. Well, oh, also, I almost forgot Anton Yelchin. Also oh, 27 years old. The tragic actor. freak accident. Yeah, his, uh, he, his car was actually subject to a recall. Um, he put it in park. He was opening the gate to where he lived. It slipped out of park into reverse. And, and crushed him. And crushed him against the gate. Ugh. So, um, yeah, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, so, that's, uh, that's it for the 27 Club. Uh, there are a lot of names, as I said on here, that I've never heard of. But you know, it's, it's you can look it up if you. It's want. something to do a search. Do we want to rate? I think so. What you, f- you Tell first? Me. Oh, me? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to give this uh, five tambourines. Oh. Um, it's it is an impressive documentary with all the archival footage, talking to her bandmates and contemporaries. Um, a guy that she met in Rio when she went to Carnival and became her boyfriend. Yeah. And, you know, that's a what it, what might have been. They if seem he had like they just, could have had a chance. If he had just come to California with her instead of going off, or if, if he had stayed in California and not gone off to uh, uh, North Africa yeah. um, to do whatever it was he was doing, um, you know... Th- we may still be talking about how she's released her latest greatest hits yeah. compilation. So it's a sad and tragic thing. But yeah, five five tambourines for me. And you? The same. The same. Um, I think that this is a very well put together, um, well curated, mm-hmm. if you will, um, retrospective and very thorough and... Um, it's a little bit long. It's an hour 44. Yeah. Um, totally worth it if you are any kind of buff about um, rock music, music history, American pop culture, any of those areas interest you. Um, put this on your list and, and watch it, but um, don't be expecting a whole lot of warm fuzzy. It's kind of, it's heavy. It's, it is, and it's also raw. Uh, I saw certainly more of Janis Joplin than I imagined I would. We do. We see boobies. Yes, there are. <laughs> and there's language. There's so. language and there are boobies. And if I may say, 
they're nice boobies. That's all I'm going to say. Well, they were uh, young, perky boobies. Yes, yes, they were. What's not to love? Um, so. the, the, uh, the documentary was made in part by the folks at American Masters through PBS, from PBS. Yes. Um, and uh, so, you know, they've, they've certainly done their homework as far as um, making sure all of the facts are correct and, and finding all the people and, and digging through various archives mm -hmm. to to uh, get uh, get all of the the video that they have of God, her just performances. The, just the volume of the footage is astounding. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, all things considered. Um, all right. Have you been watching anything of late that you want to talk about? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I've been hitting the old Allie McBeals again. Very satisfying, nostalgic viewing for me. Um, we're still watching The Undoing mm -hmm. on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. It's getting twistier by the minute, and I'm um, I'm digging it. Only two episodes left. We're going to be getting into the trial by next dun, episode. Dun, dun. Yeah. Um, this afternoon, I dug very deep into the old memory bank, and I remember when I was in college, there was a CBS um, holiday movie that aired that I have always remembered, starring Lee Remick and Angela Lansbury, and Martin Hulsett has a, a supporting role, and he was he was one of the old Ed Bowers on The Guiding Light back in the day. Um, but it was titled um, The Gift of Love, A Christmas Story. And this was released in December of 1983, so it would have been my sophomore year of college. Um, I have always remembered it very fondly, and so I looked it up today and um, revisited it. And mm -hmm. this would have been Angela Lansbury just a year or two before Murder, She Wrote. Mm -hmm. um, I think that this might have actually sort of kick-started that television chapter for her. Um, uh, Lee Remick was a beautiful, um, luminous American actress who was um, taken from us too quickly by cancer. Mm -hmm. um, but this film, um, I revisited, I actually watched it on Tubi. Okay. Um, it had commercials in it, of right, course, which right. is fine, because mm -hmm. when I watched it on CBS as a college kid, it obviously would have had commercials in it. I would have actually liked to have seen the 1983 commercials. <laughs> that would have been a real fun kick of nostalgia. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get those. Right. But um, this movie was produced by Earl Hamner of The Waltons. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember, I didn't look in the credits closely enough to see who did the musical score, but the score is memorable and really lovely. Um, it was shot um, on location in Vermont, so there's lots of beautiful snow, and it's very picturesque mm -hmm. and very Christmassy. Mm -hmm. um, it is the story of Lee Remick, who is a um, 40-ish married woman, married to the old Ed Bauer, and they have a couple of kids, and they own a department store that he's the third generation owner of in his family. And the department store is about to go under, and she's feeling like they've lost each other in their marriage. And then um, her mother, Angela Lansbury, who lives with them, passes away, and she is just overwhelmed with depression. And so the doctor comes and sees them, and she goes into this fantasy dream 
kind of situation, which a lot of, you know, it would, it would remind you of It's a Wonderful Life, that kind of sort of mystical, mm-hmm. um, otherworldly kind of situation. Um, we have Polly Holiday, who you would remember, remember as Flo from Alice. Mm-hmm. She plays Aunt Miniver, mm-hmm. the, the maiden aunt who is kind of sour and pinched. And um, they all have these very, very New England accents. And it's just, um, I had forgotten it, it, the film quality doesn't hold up all that well. It's kind of grainy looking and kind of oh, well, dated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same with the audio. But, and I, at the first half hour or so, I was thinking, God, I didn't remember this thing being as cheesy as this. <laughs> but the more I got in, I remembered what sucked me into it to begin with. And it's just such a sweet story. It's based on a story called The Silent Stars Go By. So it was um, based on written word mm-hmm. and adapted um, into this television film. And I just... Um, I was craving for something holiday and again for some nostalgia and it did not disappoint. All right, good. And you said that's on Tubi. It, I found it on Tubi. Okay. Tubi is a free streaming channel. You watch commercials, but you know, you sign up for a free account and you can uh, watch it on, you can, they have a fairly wide variety of things. I was surprised I, what all was there. I think it's uh, also connected somehow to Fox. So, um, mm. Uh, if you they they do streaming like of local news and almost all of the affiliates are Fox affiliates. Interesting. So not not ours, but yeah, they they do. I, I believe it's partially owned by Fox. Yeah. So when there's a commercial break, you know, it just shows you how many spots are coming. You can go make a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, and you can always pause it. Yeah. The um, um, when I'm watching. Um, Agatha Christie's Marvel on uh, Hulu, uh, it shows you that there's a minute and a half in this break. So that's usually long enough for me to go grab something to drink or go grab uh, or go to the bathroom or something along that line. Hulu is great for telling you how long the spot break is. Yeah, it's very handy. Um, Hulu is also where I found Allie McBeal, just FYI. Oh, yeah. Uh, Now, we watched an old, old, old movie. Oh, I'm glad you remembered that. Um, a Brief Encounter yes. with Trevor Howard and Celia Johnson from 1945. It showed up in a search that I had done for, like, um, old old movies, tragic love stories, something like that. And um, I loved it. I did. It you is, didn't. <laughs> it it's is, okay. It is certainly a movie of its time that if you showed it to somebody say 20 years old would go when is something going to happen uh it's not that i didn't like it i was curious how this was all gonna play out a lot of it is told in flashback as she's having this uh internal imaginary discussion with her husband Mm -hmm. Um, what was the actress's name again? Celia Johnson. Celia Johnson is married to a man who's a, a bit dull, I think would be. They're comfortable in yes. their marriage. They've got a couple they of have kids. Two kids. They're middle-aged. Right. They're very English. Yes, this is England just after the war. Um, and 
she uh, goes into she takes the train into town uh, on Thursdays to do her shopping and by accident by happenstance she she meets this doctor played by Terrence Howard Trevor Howard Trevor Howard and um, at first it's no big deal he's polite um, and you know he's easy to talk to and then they wind up going to a movie together sharing a meal together um, and slowly well not really slowly it's only a 90 minute movie um, they fall in love and she's having this tortured conversation in her mind with her husband confessing that she's in love with another man but he is going off to Africa. He is going to join his brothers in a medical practice in Johannesburg. And, uh, you know, it's about her guilt at, at what she's done. But, but they never did anything. They never do anything. I mean, they're not technically unfaithful. Clearly. It's emotionally unfaithful. Yes, they have fallen very much in love emotionally. And there's hand-holding and there's kissing, but there's never any technical sexual infidelity and also this was made in 45 so that was back when a husband and wife couldn't be shown in the same bed true uh or if one of if one of them was sitting on the bed a foot had to be a foot had to be on the floor at all times standards and practices exactly um the hayes commission i believe is specifically what Mm. i'm referring to but of course this was in this was made in uh london in england back in the mid 40s so i'm not even sure they had the same rules back then. Directed by David Lean. Yes. A very well-known, very well-respected film director. A Bridge Over the River Kwai, is that I Lean? think so. Lots of things. You can just look up David Lean and see he he was a very influential Lawrence, film director. Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia, possibly. Okay. Um, there, and there are some directorial choices that he makes in how some of the scenes are shot. Mm-hmm that are so beautifully rendered and so gorgeous to look at. There's one scene that really stuck out to me, and it really sticks out from the movie, not in a bad way, but it just, it's very different. She's contemplating something, sitting in a cafe next to the train tracks, uh-huh. and you the sound builds of the train approaching and the the... Uh, the whistle of the train, it's the express, because we've been told about the express before. It doesn't stop. It just mm-hmm. tears right on through. And the camera's moving in towards her, and then it starts to tilt. And it's like, okay, something. So, she's considering something. Do you notice what else happened? All the scenery behind her fades, and it goes oh, dark. Oh, goes to dark? And okay, her yeah. face just pops against this dark background and again she's tilted to the side yeah and she's she's trying to make a decision uh, i won't spoil it for you granted it's a what 75 year old movie but um you know it's on the criterion it's in the C- criterion collection it's also on hbo max uh so if if you're looking for something that's very different granted not my cup of tea I, like I said, wasn't bored, was interested in what was going to happen. There's just not a lot that happens. It's it's not fireworks and stuff blowing up. No, I, and I don't require that. But this is just, 
you know it is very slow character development and plot advancement yes it's it's them walking and it's and it's them discussing how they can't be together but they want to be together and and you know will he meet me won't he meet me and then he doesn't meet her one time but it's because he got tied up at the hospital he's a doctor um and you know there's just i don't know there not a whole lot happens and again i'm not talking about car chases and fist fights and stuff blowing up it just there's not a lot that happens in this movie is it i mean did you look it up did you like is it considered a, a classic yeah i think so well it's in the criterion yeah. collection but you know so's you know godzilla movies well you so. know, and they're classic for their reasons man well yeah something else that i want to touch on before we leave it mm -hmm. um i remember you saying something about the music and like do you hear that what do you do you recognize that i'm like well yeah i do and you mentioned eric carmen's all by myself yes. and i'm like yeah that's rachmaninoff too well and you're first. like yeah <laughs> Um, and I said, did he just stole that? And I'm like, yeah, and there was a lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, again, for, per Wikipedia, excerpts from Sergei Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto Number no. 2 recur throughout the film, played by the National Symphony Orchestra, conduct, conducted by Muir Matheson with pianist Eileen Joyce. There's also a, tea, a scene in the tea room where a salon orchestra plays the Spanish dance number no. five bolero by Moritz Muskowski. But the, the majority of the, the music that we hear in the background is portions of Rock 2, mm -hmm. including the portions that Eric Carmen shamelessly lifted for his pop hit in the 70s, All By Myself, mm -hmm. which eventually um, he lost a lawsuit to Rachmaninoff's estate because well, he just blatantly stole it. It was even in the same key. I mean, come on, try a little harder if you're going to steal something. So if nothing else, the combination of David Lean's direction and Rachmaninoff's um, piano concerto number no. two, I mean, give uh, give this a try. If you're, if you're into old, I wouldn't necessarily say film noir but no, old, said noir, old no. classic films tragic it's melodrama melodrama yeah give i loved it i just did and i will be revisiting it and, and that's great i i it's just not for me <laughs> it's not your cup of tea now look i i defend old movies oh, like crazy when somebody says eh, i don't like it's a wonderful life it's Oh, it's that's in, blasphemous. That's right. heresy right there. It's in black and white, and they talk funny, and, you know, stuff's weird. And so got, Where's the stuff blowing up? Well, it's not even that. But, you know, I appreciate an older film. Um, I just, there just wasn't anything here for me. Maybe it was, maybe it's the British sensibilities coming through that just, you know, Everybody stayed and uh, everybody's dressed impeccably. Even, um, you know, the the lady behind the counter at, at the cafe, you know, is this sort of prim and proper woman, even though she's flirting relentlessly with one of the uh, train guys. Yeah. Um, and there's some less than subtle innuendo between those two. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, the only ruffians are two soldiers who come in. 
who wanted who wanted drink of alcohol. Apparently, these places could sell alcohol up to six p.m. and it was after six p.m. in the story. And you know, they sort of get a little aggressive, and you know that. But otherwise, if you are an adult in this movie, you are dressed like you've just stepped out of a retro GQ. Yeah. Um, you know, these ties that are, the knots are just perfect and perfectly tailored uh, suits. Impeccably and fitted. The every... hats, she wears this incredible hat, which is probably her, you know, her Thursday go-to-town hat. Her go to, go into town hat. Um, and, you know, they dress for dinner. Uh, yeah. You know, the husband, I guess, is still wearing a suit from wherever it is he works. Yeah, and... well, it's, it's A, it's England. Yeah. B, it's 1945. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, even Americans um, held to a lot of these kinds of conventions in those days. Yes, yes, that's true. Uh, the... Well, I'm sorry that you didn't like it, but well, thank it's... you for sitting there and, you know, um, messing with your phone. While I, I watched it. And I did so quietly. He, he did. He um, wasn't a disturbance at all. Again, I'm not saying that I didn't like it. It just wasn't your it thing. Just, it just was, you know, if I'm presented with 20 choices and I have to watch them in some sort of order, that one's going to be last. Or maybe first, just to get it out of the way. I don't know which. Well, that depends on what else I put on your list. Exactly. Because I'm thinking a Wagner opera would probably fall after this. It depends. It just depends. Oh, duly is it, noted. Is it, uh, is it uh, you know, is it a static camera looking at a stage, or is it, you know, is it so more dynamic? Uh, is it maybe like a movie? Are there subtitles or not? Uh, yeah, that would be helpful, yeah. but I don't require Well, that would them. be helpful for me, too. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have much broader taste than I think you think I do. I don't mean to bust your chops. Well, no, you're not busting my chops, but it's... I, there's this movie just didn't speak to me. It was not your cup of tea. As it was it not, even though there was about fifty cups of tea drunk in this but particular again, film. Again, it's England. It's England, yes, and certainly it is. Oh, I was about to say, you know, the dressing for dinner thing. Uh, watching the Miss Marples on on mm-hmm. Hulu. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's all sorts of fancy dress going just going to dinner kind of things on that. It, That's all I really had to say about again, that. Again, it's England. It's England, yes. And, very, and also, very proper. This, uh, those are set in the early 50s. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so we watched that. Uh, we're watching Discovery. Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek Discovery. Digging it. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, um, I'm hoping we get into the meat of what is what has caused uh, the Federation to fall apart. That's that is uh, coming. Please up. give me the burn. <laughs> I want to know about the burn. Well, nobody knows about the burn. They, what did they, they tell us? Well, I know, but the characters who would know don't know. So we're, we're we'll find out eventually. I have no doubt. It may be episode twelve of thirteen, but the actress who plays Philippa Giorgio, mm-hmm. Yo, Michelle Yo, Michelle Yo. She steals every scene she's in, even if it's just a, an arched eyebrow or mm-hmm. the side eye. She yeah. just steals all the scenes and kicks all the ass well, all the time. And, you know, she made a, a name for herself in martial arts movies, so she can literally kick all the ass. Yeah, and she does. They utilize that to great um, to great advantage. Yes. Uh, it's uh, 
uh, the, I see complaints about it that it isn't real Star Trek. Oh, come on. They said they say that about all the franchises. There are haters. Uh, haters be hating, whatever. Y'all and, get over yourselves. And I think Discovery has done themselves a favor by jumping a thousand years or so into the future. Mm-hmm. Because now they don't have to worry about canon. Because not everything they do has to agree with everything that happens after it. Because we we've never been here. We've before. never been here before. This is truly un- the final frontier, uncharted ground. So yeah, they uh, um, they may have given themselves the greatest gift by jumping out of that timeline. Uh, of course, when Final Frontier, uh, the story of the Enterprise with Captain Pike mm. as the uh, as the captain, when that comes up, it will be stuck with. Um, canon with canon but it'll still be interesting to see all these stories that occurred before kirk took well yeah bring it yeah i I, i'm i'm looking forward to that um and of course the mandalorian uh the other star franchise is uh is uh they introduced a uh, a character from uh the animated um clone wars Mm. and uh bo katan Uh, She is from the planet Mandalore, but her belief system as far as the armor and stuff is very different from the Mandalorian. Uh, Apparently, the people who rescued him after his family was killed, um, they're considered more of a religious fanatical sect of Mm. Mandalorians that never take off their helmets. They, okay. They're constantly, of course, how they eat. I don't know. I, I guess they have to be alone in order to take off their helmet. And if anybody sees them without a helmet, they are no longer Mandalorian. Okay. So. Baby Yoda. That's all uh, I know. Baby Yoda. Yeah. Chicky Nuggets, hot chalky milk. <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> uh, they took a, a Baby Yoda up in the uh, SpaceX craft that just launched on uh, Sunday to the International Space Station and it was they they say they always have at least recently they have some sort of toy with them so that when they go into weightlessness the toy floats around so that's their indication I would think your stomach coming up into your throat would, would be, be an, an indication well but that's but, a good test for it though but yeah the uh, the Soviets have the Soviets the Russians on their wow yeah I know <laughs> I'm old. The, I'm old with you. The Russians uh, have like a ball on a string, and it and it hangs down and is taut yeah. until they get weightless, and then it and starts to float. But the uh, these two SpaceX crewed missions have uh, they've taken a stuffed animal of some sort. Cool. With them. So anyway, Mandalorian. Um, enjoying that quite a bit. Uh, may have to check out the Lego uh, Holiday. Star Wars special based on Life Day, which is what the, uh, um, like, 1970s live action uh, Star Wars holiday special was about. Uh, Life Day um, on um, the Wookiee home planet. (laughs) Uh, Kashyyyk, which was the, the special has never been shown again past the original airing because it was... It sucked, apparently. An embarrassment. Awesome. 
Um, so yeah, if you have that, you you have a uh, something you could probably make a fortune on on eBay if you wanted to sell the videotape of that mm. or burn a bunch of uh, DVDs. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, I'll that's on uh, Disney Channel, Disney Plus. So uh, I I won't make you watch that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that wraps it up for this week. I think so. N- next week it'll be my turn. Um, and of course, next week uh, is Thanksgiving. Is Thanksgiving week. So I'm wondering if we should maybe kick off a series of holiday movies. Um, sure. I may make you watch the um, the 1983 throwback that I watched today. Although I've already talked about it some, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. The world is our oyster. It, it certainly is. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it very much. Please go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and a review. That helps other people find out about us if we should happen to, by some minor, actually major miracle, uh, show up on a chart somewhere. Uh, and uh, maybe more people will check us out. We appreciate uh, everybody who has listened and does listen. Uh, we've we've had a sort of, you know, somewhat upward project trajectory of our uh, listenership over the last few weeks. Tell your friends. Please do tell Join your friends. Us. Share uh, us on social media. Comedy, tragedy, marriage. We appreciate all the help that we can get. Uh, like the uh, uh, lady on the AT&T commercial talking about word of mouth before there were commercials. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, yeah, tell everybody you know. Tell people you don't know. Stop them on the street. Shake them by the collar and say, <laughs> listen to this podcast. Um, don't do that. Um, otherwise, you'll be spending the holidays in a building with lots of padding on the walls. Uh, uh, please if you uh, have something you want to let us know about there are various ways you can contact us on social media at CT Marriage on Twitter Um, and you can also send us an email if you have a suggestion for something for us to watch you can send that to us uh, not only the name of it but where we can find it and why you think we should watch it send that to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com and the easiest way of all is a link in the description of this podcast to send us a voice message. Who knows? You might just hear yourself on the next episode of Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. Love you. Love you too. And until next time. Later. Later. Yay!